Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. I'll read up to verse 27. Do you not know that those who run in, in a race all run, but one receives a prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What is it? The prize. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, iron doors, not with uncertainty. When you are not sure, stand still. Therefore, iron does not with uncertainty. Does I fight not as one who beats the air? But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. KJV says, the castaway. Father, we want to obtain. We do not want to fight as one that beats the air or just run aimlessly about. We are not running a hopeless race. We thank you for the race you have set for us. Keep us steadfast. Grant us strength. Give us grace. And by the time we finish, let us finish well. In Jesus' mighty name, and the people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. My short exhortation before we pray tonight is titled, Be careful what you are becoming. Be careful what you are becoming. Please turn your Bible with me to Isaiah chapter 3. I will stay in Isaiah for a while. Crisscross there before then go to Jeremiah and begin to flow. Isaiah chapter 3 verse 10 to 12. Isaiah 3 10 to 12. Say to the righteous that it shall be well with them. There's no righteous in this room. <laughs> Say to the righteous it shall be well with them. For they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Woe to the wicked. You don't have to say it. 
Woe to the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. As for my people, children are their oppressors. Ecclesiastes 10 says, Woe to you, O land, when you're what? When your king is a child. As for my people, children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Ouch. That should not be in the Bible. Top 10. Huh? Women rule over them. Does that mean God is against women ruling? And why did he allow Deborah? Why did Esther become a queen? Why are there women in leadership position in the church? There must be a type of women that he's talking about. And we'll get there tonight. Do you understand me? Uh-huh. Let's read on. And women rule over them. All my people, those who lead you, curse you to err. And destroy the way of your paths. As for my people, give it back to me. Children are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Oh, my people, those who lead you, cause you to err, and destroy the way of your paths. Same Isaiah chapter 9. Let's develop that theme further. Isaiah 9, 16 and 17. Those who lead you cause you to err. What manner of leaders are these ones? Isaiah 9, 16 and 17. For the leaders of these people cause them to err. And those who are led by them are destroyed. Therefore, the Lord will have no joy in their young men, nor have mercy on their fatherless and widows, for everyone is a hypocrite and an evildoer, and every mouth speaks fully. For this reason, God said they will stand and plead against his people and bring them into judgment. Be careful who you choose to follow. Be careful who is leading you. Because if they lead you to err, your children will be useless, your wives will become widows, your orphans will not be taken care of, and you will not be here to fight for them anyway, just because you follow wicked leaders. Isaiah still for this purpose, God will stand to plead and judge his people. Isaiah chapter 3. Go back to Isaiah 3, verse 13 to 15. Isaiah 3, 13 to 15. The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes. For you have eaten up the vineyard, the plunder of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people 
and grinding the faces of the poor, says the Lord God of hosts. Verse 16. Moreover, the Lord says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks and wanting eyes walking and missing as they go, making a jingling with their feet, therefore the Lord will strike with his curb the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. This is terrible judgment. You know, when he said women lead them, he's showing you what type of women They don't walk. They're not hard working at all. They're what you call, I've forgotten their name now. Uh, uh, Just escape me. Uh, They don't lift a finger, but they paint their nails. They just dress up. They have the remote control. They push the men to evil. The real issue here, why God is pleading against his people and their leaders and elders, is because he's frustrated and disappointed. God is speaking out of disappointment here, and out of frustration. And you find out why. How many of you feel frustrated if your children are not doing well at school? Hello? I can't hear you now. They're not doing well. And you know it's not that they don't have the capacity to do well. In fact, you have equipped them. You've gotten extra lesson teachers. They have some time in school before returning home where they do further training. By the time they get home, they have somebody to help them. At weekends, there are special classes they can go to. You pay their school fees on time and their food is regular. They don't have to work at all. And yet, they go to school to play. You get to school, they have absconded. What's going to happen to you? Who, how many of you business people enjoy investment without returns? God's real problem here, his disappointment here, is that he had invested so much and is getting little or nothing in return. Isaiah chapter 5 is one flow. Isaiah chapter 5, beginning from verse 1. If you look at the title of it, it's a God's disappointing vineyard. That's the title. Now let me sing to my well beloved. A song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. My well beloved has a vineyard where? I can't hear you. Is this country fruitful? Is this country blessed? Is it a land of milk and honey? A land that flows with milk and honey? Do you get the honey and the milk? All right. He dug it up and cleared out his stones, that's God Almighty, and planted it with the choicest vine. He built a tower in its midst and also made a wine press in it. So he expected it to do what? Oh, somebody talk to me. 
He expected it to bring forth good grapes, but it brought forth. Did these sow bad seed? Did these sow quality seed? Did they clear the ground? Did they take time to, to really, really ensure that it turns out well? Okay. And now, all inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What mark would have been done to my vineyard that I've not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? And now, please let me tell you what I would do to my vineyard. I would take away its edge. No more protection. And it shall be born. And break down its world. And it shall be trampled down. I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dog. But there shall come up brass and thorns. The original curse. I will also command the clouds. That the rain, no rain on it. Lord, what is the problem here? Next verse. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plan. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. For righteousness, but behold, a cry for help. If you are God the Father, and you have made abundant provision on the planet. And you have decreed that the profit of the land is for all. But out of 180 million people, some 83 million go to bed hungry every night crying, God help us. And you have made provision abundantly that no one should go to bed hungry. And then you look down and say, oh, it is injustice that is causing this. The, the, the breeding ground of oppression is injustice. It's when others corner what belong to all. Like the chariot that is going on in Ogun State. We call that state Gateway City, Gateway State. Education took off and took ground in that place like no other place in Nigeria. You can see the list of firsts that that state and that little town called Abelkuta, okay, maybe not little anymore, had produced in this country. Yet, in that place, they could not conduct primary. One person stole the ballot box and the materials and ran away. One uh, emperor declared his own candidates. And then in Abuja now, the one who they said snatched the ballot box has been declared the winner. No election took place anywhere. So what are you going to do if you are God? You are going to fold your hands? Jeremiah chapter 2 Verse 20 to 22. For of old I've broken your yoke and burst your bonds. And you said I will not transgress. When on every high hill and under every green tree you lay down. Playing the harlot. Yet I planted you what? 
I can hear. I planted you. Is Nigeria planted a noble vine? Yes. Uh, this country will hear word on Sunday. Yet I planted you a noble vine, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me into the degenerate plant of an alien vine? For though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, yet your iniquity is marked before me, says the Lord God. We are the giant of Africa, aren't we? The most populous country in the continent of Africa, one out of every four Africans is a Nigerian, and one out of every five black men the world over is a Nigerian. As of today, it is three million children are out of school. Is in your newspaper today, or you didn't read at all? It is three million of school age are not in school. What future lies ahead? Jeremiah said, your iniquity is marked. It distinguishes you. It's marked. Everywhere you go, everybody notices it. Travel abroad. Go to any country. If you fly from UK to America, you are most welcome. As long as a plane has taken off from Europe to America, you walk so easily in. If it's a direct flight from Nigeria, they are waiting for you for, with sniffing dogs. They are armed and they are looking at you that you have brought problems. You are an accused person until the contrary is proved. Why is our iniquity marked? Maybe some definitions may be useful here of certain words we use interchangeably. Words like sin, trespass, and iniquity. Sin is very simple. It's falling short. All have sinned and come short. God has put his standard here. You are below it. You are falling short. You're not hitting target. You don't, you have not discovered purpose. You don't even know what your destiny or assignment is all about. And you're just floating. You're falling short of God's glory. Trespass. You don't understand boundary. You don't understand boundary. You just transgress. Trespass, go 
before God, before God says anything, you have gone. Iniquity is when God's will and your will are in conflict. That was and still is the ruin of the devil. It was created perfect until his will began to conflict with God's will. Iniquity was found in him. So when your iniquity is mad, it simply means there is a conflict between your will and God's will. It's like what James calls a double-minded person. is unstable in all his ways. Let him not think he will receive anything from God. Our politicians in Nigeria, are their hearts fixed? Are they principled? You are not talking to me. How can you eat breakfast in APC? Lunch in PDP? Dinner? One manifestation of iniquity is faltering between two opinions. And you recall that on Tuesday, we examine why God's people sometimes falter between two opinions. Do you remember? Tonight, I would like to add a useful point to the ones you already have. And I want you to please write this down. And don't forget it. Write it in black and white or type it in your note. God's people falter easily between two opinions. When they desire to benefit from the word of God. I'm from the God of this age, the God of this world. God's people falter easily between two opinions when they desire to benefit from the word of God and the world system at the same time. Those who do such may consider themselves smart, especially if they derive some material benefits from such smartness. To the extent that others will call them successful. But everything they have obtained is by compromise. At the end of the day, they are not really smart. They are foolish. And ultimately, they will end up as failures. I want you to please give me your maximum attention tonight. It is my prayer that when God lifts you up, that will not lead to your ruin and to your downfall. You know, many of us think we can handle some things and God knows we are not there yet. Many of us in the church can't handle power. We can't handle wealth. It's when it comes that you will know that all the rottenness in you, it will bring it out. Completely. I do not think our politicians are sane.
Many of them are on drugs. That's a fact known to their circle of influence. But apart from that, there's something eating them up. You know. I'll wait this Sunday. Whenever a believer begins to compromise his faith and the word of God because of material benefits that he is deriving from the world system, the time will come when God's word will no longer be revealed to that individual or made known to them. That was what happened to Eli and his two sons. Their catastrophic end is spelled out in the Bible. Do you think Eli started that way? I'm not hearing you. Did Saul the king start the way he ended? May you finish strong in Jesus' mighty name. Examples abound in scriptures of those who began so well but finished so poorly. I would like to share two or three of them with you tonight to see how these things creep in little by little until you become another person. Tell your neighbor, be careful. Who and what you are becoming. I think this nation builders summit is on nation builders. To begin to prepare them so that they can be accurately positioned. Uh, you heard last night when Pastor Dele was preaching. And he said, imagine all the efforts put into training those 318 soldiers when there was no war. In peace, prepare for war. Many of us will now deploy untrained people when war will break out and they will become sweeter. I will give example of three kings tonight. I will start from the one that was so beloved by God. He sent his name from heaven. He called him Jedida, beloved of the Lord, a man of rest, one chosen among his brethren by God. You know his name, Solomon. First Chronicles chapter 22, verse 5 to 10. Be careful what you are becoming. First Chronicles 22, 5. Now David said, Solomon, my son, is young and inexperienced. Another portion said, tender. And the house to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all countries. And we now make preparations for it. So David made abundant preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build a house for the Lord God of Israel. And David said to Solomon, my son, as for me, 
It was in my mind to build a house to the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying, You have shed much blood and have made great words. You shall not build a house for my name because you have shed much blood on the earth in my sight. Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies all around. His name shall be Solomon. For I will give peace and quietness to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son. And I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. It doesn't get better than this. Let's examine three areas of his life and see what turned this noble vine into a degenerate vine. Let's consider his wealth. First Kings chapter 10, he was stupendously wealthy. First Kings chapter 10, beginning from verse 14. First Kings 10, 14, the weight of gold that came to Solomon yearly was 666 talents of gold. I know some theologians will tell you that is 666. Besides that, from the traveling merchants, from the income of traders, from all the kings of Arabia, from the governors of the country, and King Solomon made 200 large shields of hammered gold, 600 shekels of gold went into each shield. He also made 300 shields of hammered gold, Three minas of gold went into each shield. The king put them in the house of the forest of Lebanon. Somebody say for a reserve. Moreover, the king made a great throne of ivory and overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps and the top of the throne was round at the back. There were armrests on either side of the place of the seat. And two lions stood beside the armrests. Twelve lions stood there, one on each side of the six steps. Nothing like this had been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's drinking vessels were gold. And all the vessels of the house of the forest of Lebanon were pure gold. Not one was silver, for this was accounted as nothing in the days of Solomon. For the king had merchant ships at sea with a fleet of Hiram. Once every three years, the merchant ships came bringing gold, silver, ivory, apes, and monkeys. So King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. Now all the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom which God had put in his heart. Each man brought his present articles of silver and gold, garments, armor, spices, horses, mules, at a set rate year by year just to hear his wisdom. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots. You don't understand that though. Have you entered some houses and you see cars? Solomon gathered 
chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots. He was a man of peace, not fighting any war and was not preparing for any battle. He was just gathering them like that king from which country whose brain has gone Brunei. His brain has gone warped. I think they should bury him in one of the cars these days. <laughs> he had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen whom he stationed in the chariot cities and with the king at Jerusalem. The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones. And he made cedar trees as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. Also Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kivet. The king's merchants bought them in Kivet at the current price. Now a chariot that was imported from Egypt cost 600 shekels of silver. And a horse, 150. And thus through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Look at the wealth of this man. Now he was going to forbidden territories. Because if you read Deuteronomy, the Bible says a king in Israel must not multiply horses. He was violating God's norm, breaking every boundary. Well, let's see his daily provision. I call it conspicuous consumption. First Kings chapter 4 verse 22 to 28. Please bear with me. Because you don't know when you begin to desire more and more and more and more and more and more until greed latches onto you and it becomes a bottomless pit. First Kings chapter 4 verse 22 to 28. Now Solomon's provision for one day was 30 cores of fine flour, 60 cores of meal, 10 fatted oxen, 20 oxen from the pastures, 100 sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fatted fowl. Daily provision is called ojogbogbobiodun. For he had dominion over all the region of this side of the river from Tibshah even to Gaza, namely over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on every side all around him. And Judah and Israel dwelt safely, each man under his vine and his fig tree from Dan as far as, as Beersheba all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stores of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And these governors, each man in his month, provided food for King Solomon and for all who came to King Solomon's table. He was running a true federal system. There was no lack. I can't hear you. There was no lack in their supply. Each governor over the 12 tribes, each governor will only supply for one month, so it was only one month a year. There was no lack. Read on. They also brought barley and straw to the proper place for the horses and steeds, each man according to his charge. And God gave Solomon wisdom and exceedingly great understanding and largeness of heart 
like the sand on the seashore. Compare momentarily, before I go further, Solomon with Nehemiah, the nation builder. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 14. Nehemiah 5, verse 14. Nehemiah, there's a difference between an empire builder and a nation builder. One who is building his own personal empire for his own personal glory so that the latest automobile you find anywhere in the world is in his garage. In fact, he built Chariot City. Out of 144,000 chariots, how many can you ride? His greed knew no bounds. Because there were no Viagra in his days. I don't know how he ended up with 300 wives and 700 concubines or vice versa. He just developed huge appetites in every area of his life. Nehemiah 5.14 Moreover, from the time that I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, from the 20th year until the 32nd year of King Ataxerxes, how many years would that be? 12 years. 12 years. Neither I nor my brothers had the governor's provisions. But the former governors who were before me laid burdens on the people and took from them bread and wine besides 40 shekels of silver. Yes, even their servants bore rule over the people. But I did not do so because of the fear of God. Indeed, I also continued the work on this wall and we did not buy any land. All my servants were gathered there for the work. And at my table were 150 Jews and rulers besides those who came to us from the nations around us. Now that which was prepared daily was one ox, six choice sheep, also fowl were prepared for me, and once every ten days, an abundance of all kinds of wine, yet in spite of all these, I did not demand the governor's provisions because the bondage was heavy on these people. Remember me, my God, for good, according to all that I've done. For these people. Could Solomon pray that prayer? Solomon's world became his albatross. He began to imagine vain things. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 12. I'll read up to chapter 2 verse 1 to 11. Ecclesiastes 1 12. And then I will proceed to 2 1 to 11. I the preacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with mirth. Therefore enjoy pleasure. But surely this also was vanity. I said of laughter, madness, and of mirth, what does it accomplish? I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine. Why guarding my heart with wisdom? And how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven all the days of their lives. 
when your husband or your wife is beginning to test different things, know that it's going astray. It's little by little. You know, <laughs> ordinary drinks will not satisfy you anymore. All kinds of cocktail. You understand me? The tail of a cock. I made my works great. Are you listening? Or you're not listening? I did what? I made my works great. I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards. And I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I, me, my, myself. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. He was into competition. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the prophecies. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men, and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then I look on all the works that my hands had done. And all the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Then I turned to myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has done already. He got to a point, he lamented. He said, all that I've labored for, who is going to inherit it? Ah, but if he's a foolish son, and he did, he produced Rehoboam. Solomon's world became his albatross. He began to imagine vain things. This wise king became a degenerate vine. His wealth entered his head. First Kings 11. First Kings 11, 1 to 13. But King Solomon loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord has said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. And he has 700 wives, princesses. Hello? Not just anybody. 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. For it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, 
And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God as was the heart of his father David. I thought he said, I kept my wisdom intact. <laughs> For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did even the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Hello. This portion of his building is not the temple that is known for. He built more than that temple. In fact, when you read the days of Josiah, they call out that he built the mountain of corruption. Consequence of that, when he became a degenerate vine, what did the Lord do? The Bible says if a man's ways pleases the Lord, because you don't know why a servant will rise against their masters. And why all of a sudden, center will not hold. While those who destroy them are already in their own house, they have learned their tricks, and they are going to beat them in the game they taught them. The Bible says, well, if a man's ways pleases the Lord, it will cause his enemy to be at peace with him. The Knox translation of the Bible says, his enemies will become his well-wishers. The reverse is equally true. God will raise adversaries for those whose ways no longer please God. That's what you are beginning to see in our polity. First Kings chapter 11, verse 14. First Kings 11, 14. Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon. Hadda the Edomite, he was a descendant of the king in Edom. Verse 23. And God raised up another adversary against him, Rezan, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord at the desert king of Zobah. So he gathered men to him and became captain over a band of raiders, and so on and so forth. Verse 25, I think that's 25. God began to raise different adversaries. The last one he raised was Jeroboam, who was a mighty man of valor and loyal to Solomon. But the prophet saw him and said, I'm tearing, I'm giving you ten. He tore his garment into twelve and gave him ten. He said, you rule as far as your heart desire. I'm taking the kingdom out of the hands of Solomon. At the end, the wise king became a byword in Israel. He became a byword. Whenever they want to say something nasty, it's Solomon that they will use as an example. Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah 13, 23. In those days I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. Mm-hmm. All kinds of languages that they speak today. I won't use my mouth to mention them. So I contended with them and cursed them. 
struck some of them and pulled out their hair, made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, seem by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, I can't hear you. Nevertheless, pagan women caused even him to sin. You read that portion in King James Version. I like the way he said it. King James Version, please. Never outlandish. Outlandish. Out. Land. Dish. You have dish on your television? Out. Land. Dish. Outlandish women cause him to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? Let me round up his life for you. You know, they say life and times of so and so. It was when Jesus came that he gave us a summary of Solomon's life and times. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew six twenty-four. No one can serve two masters, for either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. I'm a man. <laughs> Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into mass, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by warning can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you consider... Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Hello. Solomon is about to find his level. Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like the grass of the field. And also his life and times. That's the summary. Solomon, grass of the field. Tell your neighbor, be careful what you are becoming. I give you a second king. The king of Judah by the name of Uzziah started very well. Did exploits until he became very strong. Second Chronicles 26, beginning from verse 3. Second Chronicles 26, 3. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned for how long? 52 years in Jerusalem. Did he? Did he? Did he actually reign for 52 years? We are going to find out. His mother's name was Jecoliah of Jerusalem. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father, Amaziah, had done. He sought God 
in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Ask your neighbor, do you still seek God? Well, you are comfortable now that you just command, you don't pray anymore. Now he went out and made war against the Philistines and broke down the wall of God, the wall of Jabne, the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities around Ashdod and among the Philistines. God helped him against the Philistines, against the Arabians who lived in Gerbel, and against the Munites. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he became what? Exceedingly strong. And Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem, at the corner gate, at the valley gate, and at the corner buttress of the wall. Then he fortified them. He also built towers in the desert. <laughs> he dug many wells, for he had much livestock. Both in the lowlands and in the plains, he also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel, for he loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies, according to the number of their role, as prepared by Jael the scribe and Messiah the officer, under the hand of Ananiah, one of the king's captains. The total number of chief officers of the mighty men of valor was 2,600. And under their authority was an army of 307,500 that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. Then Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones so his fame spread far and wide for he was marvelously helped till he became strong oh may your wealth not be your ruin in the name of Jesus Christ as God begins to lift you up may that not lead to your downfall Next verse. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense all the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were eighty priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. They forgot he was king, Uzziah. You have crossed the line. But for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense, get out of the sanctuary for your trespass. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord. Beside the incense altar. And Azariah the chief priest and all the priests looked at him. And there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed he also hurried to get out. Because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper. Until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house. 
because it was a leper, for it was cut off from the house of the Lord. So while he was living there, was it really raining? No, leprosy was raining over him. And it will be in Isaiah chapter 6 that you will hear Isaiah in the year that King Uzziah, I saw the Lord. For the Lord to manifest in Nigeria, some Uzziahs need to be removed. Stand to your feet. In the might, some Uzziahs just need to be dealt with and be removed. Leprosy breaking forth, all kinds of issues breaking forth out of their lives. They could not, they will continue to transgress and trespass and do all manner of things until God deals with them. How many of you would like to see the glory of God? Begin to pray. Remove every Uzziah. In the Senate, every Uzziah in the executive arm, every Uzziah in the judiciary, every Uzziah who is a governor, every Uzziah who is a local government chairman, remove them all. Let their leprosy be clear to all in the name of Jesus. Let them be seen as unfit and lock them up in leper's colony to the day of their death. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. We thank you tonight. We bless your holy name that no Uzziah will escape your divine wrath. Men that were nobody without any pedigree who suddenly found wealth as a corner the resources of the nation. They are now larger than life. They call the church. They transgress. They rule. They reign. They ruin. Do not spare them, Lord, because if you do, even the church will be confused and your glory will not be seen. Remove every Uzziah. Remove every Uzziah in the mighty name of Jesus. Get rid of them from our polity, from the judiciary. In the mighty name of Jesus. We want to see your glory come into manifestation. This power drunk man. Do all the like and no one can control. They are so uncontrollable, unaccountable. They do as they please. They become emperors. They don't understand the purpose of power. They ruin, they wreck. And they pull down anyone they think is not dancing to their tune. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Please be seated. I will add one more useful thought. And bring today's service to a close with powerful prayers. Just one more useful thought. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Your spouse, your friend, your associates and business partners can lead you to hell. Be careful who you surround yourself with. Your spouse, your friend, your associates and business partners can lead you to hell. Every one of them can influence who you are becoming. Don't deceive yourself. Design every spirit and be sure what you are receiving is of the Lord. Because 
even your spouse can do you in. First Kings chapter 21 verses 25 and 26. Be careful who and what you are becoming. First Kings 21 verses 25 and 26. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Why? Because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Go back again to that verse. But there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. You know, beside every man's downfall is a woman pushing him so many times, and it could be vice versa. If every wife fears the Lord and brings word of caution and balance to their husbands, they will not need to go and steal what is not theirs. I give an example. I didn't even know where. A few days ago, I went to Portaco to handle a case in 1985, and I was paid 500,000 naira cash. No, 250,000. 500,000 was the total bill. 250,000, 50% cash. And I brought it home. By the time I would get to Lagos, I locked my hotel room in Portacourt, kept the key, left my books there because there was no space for the cash, and loaded it to Lagos where I could bank it. By the time I got to Lagos, they had closed the bank. So I went home, and I went to the top of our wardrobe, and hid it there, and nicely packaged it. I was sleeping. When Mrs. B woke me up, I said, what is the matter? I said, is she a killer? Then she ain't seen you. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? He said, I saw some money upstairs. Kilo, where they be? What was He said, I saw money. You were earning 610 when I married you. Where is this from? I had to call the client who paid me the money before she let go. Your husband lost his job. Then started little by little and God began to bless you. And suddenly he came home with two Mercedes Benz said, one for you, one for him. Then two weeks after he brought BMW, I said, I'd like you to dress well like your neighbor. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh, Logigi. You see how the wife of that kidnapper is denying him now? Huh? Huh? Your husband started as a governor. Before he became a governor, he was living in a flat in Ikeja here with a rickety car. Now he has two jets and he has not done any other job other than being governor. And you don't know where the money came from. Your husband is a thief. He has stolen what belongs to the people. Yeah, only. 
First Kings 21, 25, and 26. But there was no one like Rahab who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. And he behaved very abominably in following idols, according to all that the Amorites had done, whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. I want to make two or three submissions so that we pray and go home. We close at eight. Number one, without the manipulative role of Jezebel in the matter of Naboth's vineyard, Ahab no, had no intention of killing the man. When the man refused to sell him the land, he went home, he was just sulking. And Jezebel came and said, hey, are you really the king of Israel? You are soaking over land. Don't you know the tremendous power at your disposal? And she screamed and plotted and got wicked elders and wicked nobles to join him in eliminating Naboth. So who killed Naboth? Huh? I can't hear you. <laughs> I said, who killed Naboth? Jezebel was the one who designed, plotted, and schemed. But thereafter, God's judgment fell, and Elijah showed up to hand them their death warrant. 1 Kings 21, verse 17. 1 Kings 21, verse 17. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab and bite him. The Tishbite. <laughs> Who lives in Samaria? There he is in the vineyard of Naboth. God deal. God is seeing all the atrocities they are all committing. All the secret oaths, all the blood sacrifices, God sees them all. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him saying, Thus says the Lord, have you murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him saying, Thus says the Lord, in the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. But I didn't do it. Oh no, you are benefiting, you are a beneficiary of crime. You are benefiting from crime. So Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? And he answered, I've found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity. I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. Seventy of his sons were killed in one day. The Jehu revolution. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Lebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger. I made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, the dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that God punishes the crime of blood. Those who kill by the sword shall die by the sword. 
there is no escape from it. In fact, God backdates. He makes it retroactive. He will go back into the past the day the crime was committed. And so you will see in the days to come, those who murdered engineer Funshaw Williams will lose sleep. Those who murdered Dikpo Dina, Dikpo Direct, they will be caught in their web. I will give you the word, Ezekiel 7, 23 to 27. A land that is filled with the crime of blood cannot escape. Neither can the people who perpetrate such injustice. Ezekiel 7, 23 to 27. Make a chain, for the land is filled with crimes of blood, and the city is full of violence. Therefore, I will bring the wars of the Gentiles, and they will possess their houses. I will cause the pomp of the strength to cease, and their holy places shall be defiled. Destruction comes. They will seek peace, but it shall be none. Disaster will come upon disaster. Rumor will be upon rumor. Then they will seek a vision from a prophet, but the law will perish from the priest. And counsel from the elders. The king will mourn. The prince will be clothed with desolation. And the hands of the common people will tremble. I will do to them according to their way. And according to what they deserve. I will judge them. Then they shall know that they are not in charge. You don't get Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Matthew 23. Matthew 23, verse 29. God will backdate it retroactively, take it to the starting point, and he will judge it. Matthew 23, 29 to 36. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets and adorn the monuments of the righteous, and say, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Therefore, you are witnesses against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your father's guilt. Serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. And some of them you scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city. That on you, hello, what did they live in the days of Abel? Hello, that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on the earth from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zachariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. As surely I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. Were they there in those days? So every time you kill someone. You activate what happened in, in, the, in the days of Cain and Abel. And all the consequences of it will come upon you and your descendants forever. Those who murdered others have murdered sleep. In this season, their judgment will come. Yeah. Revelation 13 verse number 10. Revelation 13 verse 10. Revelation 13 verse 10. Ready? Read. Evil leads into captivity shall go into captivity he will kill with his sword must be killed with his sword here's the patience and the faith of the saint what does this scripture mean here is the patience and the faith of the saint that if you can just be patient and you can continue to operate in faith evil will self-destruct 
He who leads into captivity shall be led into... How many people have left Nigerian shore to go look for education elsewhere because you destroy our educational system? How many people have gone abroad to go and sweep so that they can send some money home because you have taken and cornered the resources of the land? Now you have sent them into captivity. That's where you will end yourself. I say that's where you will end. He will lead into captivity, shall be led into captivity, and he who kills by the sword shall be killed by the he who kills by shall be killed by this is the faith and the patience of the faith. One question that I will ask you, and then he brings a message to the four was Ahab outrightly evil. Was Ahab outrightly evil? Did he have conscience? Did he plot to kill Naboth? But did he allow his wife to do what she liked with the authority given to? <laughs> uh, uh, First Kings twenty one. 27 to 29. First Kings 21, 27 to 29. So it was when Ahab had those words, which words? Dog will lick your blood. Dog will heal Jezebel's blood. When Ahab had those words that he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his body and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about mourning. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the chief by saying, See how Ahab has humbled himself before me. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the calamity in his days. In the days of his son, I will bring the calamity on his house. What you do today will affect your children later. It was not always evil. Be careful who and what you are becoming. Because what you do today would manifest in the life of your children down the line. Let's rise up tonight and come against every Jezebel, every subtle influence in the corridor of power, in the bedroom of power, those who manipulate the, 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 the ministers of God called governmental officials. Let us pray. Let us destroy the, their hold, the witchcraft, the subtle influences of the wicked in the corridor and the bedroom of power. Let's come against them tonight in the name of Jesus. Many of the atrocities being committed have been influenced. It's subtle influences, negative influences influences of, of, of Jezebels, of wicked women, of wicked spouses in the name of Jesus. Ahab was not always bad. Ahab was not always evil. Ahab was not always outrightly evil. But he married wrong. He married wrong. And the subtle influence of Jezebel brought disaster upon his descendants. Lord, we stand in the gap between the porch and the altar tonight. We cry unto you for those men and women who are in the grip of witchcraft, of all kinds of manipulation and evil tendencies that deliver them, O oh Lord.
bring them back to you in the mighty name of Jesus grant them grace to repent of the blunders they have done let them cry to you before it is too late let the noble vine not become degenerate help us father to be careful who and what we are becoming help me father in Jesus name now pray for yourself Lord I receive from heaven discerning by the word of God discerning by the spirit of the living God that I will not be victim of manipulative tendencies of evil and subtle influences that will cause me to turn away from you and to do evil because I allow others to push me into it deliver me Lord deliver me Lord if you are surrounded by men they will bring reports to you help me father in the mighty name of Jesus help me Lord that I can see through I'll be able to see that someone is plotting and someone is scheming that I will not fall victim of evil plottings and evil manipulations and evil machinations in the mighty name of deliver me give me sound mind give me sound judgment help me oh lord help me help me let my eyes see through the fog of lies and deception and hypocrisies so that the wicked will not prevail in the mighty name of jesus in the mighty name of jesus i once heard the report and it is true true report those in the security outfit package the enemies of the ruler i don't want to mention names now that these are the ones plotting against you and amongst the names they wrote were people who are already dead but the man could not know and he began to move and shake the entire system because evil men beguiled him with evil report May God cause you to see through in the mighty name of Jesus that when you stand to look through (laughs) Uh, between yesterday and this morning somebody cooked up a story far away somewhere. You know what they said? They said, Pastor Bakarin took A and B to see the president last night. But the person they are telling said, no, I know that guy. Mm-mm. He won't do that. And somebody else who had now sent me a text. So I called the person. I said, I want to thank you just for trusting me, knowing what I can do and what I will not do. I did not do that. Do you understand? They will cook it and bring it to you. And because you are, you are used to listening to evil, you sign on and you bring abomination upon yourself. Ask God to give you that supercharged, super alertness, super a kind of spirit that picks things. That say, uh, 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 uh. I will investigate before I invest. In the mighty name of Jesus. I will not ruin others. I will not destroy others. I will not 
listen to others to destroy others help me lord in, in the way i relate to give benefit of doubt to people and not to assume that everything i hear is accurate help me to be designing on the days of my life and me to be designing in jesus mighty name do you know the the wise woman of tequa was programmed by joab to get to david and as the woman kept on speaking he said hey woman stop does joab have a hand in this he said my lord the king you are like an angel may that be your portion may god help you and wire you up in such a way that you know your environment and nobody will take advantage of you or push you to do evil be careful what and who you are becoming amen thanks so much for listening we have to end it here today but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye Bye for for now. now.